I think I'll be reflecting for a few years. It's been um, a rather hectic pace for eight years. Um, but I do believe that we got a lot done that we should be proud of. Obviously, the straightening, straightening out the city's finances was um, significant. Hi there, it's WAMC News Director Ian Pickus. And on this episode of the WAMC News Podcast, an exit interview with the longtime mayor of Troy. Well, after eight years leading the city of Troy, Democratic Mayor Patrick Madden is preparing to step down after Republican Carmela Mantello was elected to succeed him in November. Under the city charter, Madden is prevented from seeking a third term. As the transition process continues, Madden sat down with WAMC's Lucas Willard to reflect on his time leading the Collar City. I think I'll be reflecting for a few years. It's been um, a rather hectic pace for eight years. Um, but I do believe that we got a lot done that we should be proud of. Obviously, the straightening, straightening out the city's finances was um, significant. A lot of people, though, do ask the question, so why? What's the big deal about having a great bond rating? Um, and what I tell people is when we paid off the old debt, the old operating debt that we had, it gives us the ability to use today's resources on today's needs instead of today's resources on the utilities we burned 30 years ago or the staples we bought 30 years ago. So we have um, aligned our current needs with our current uh, ability. And that's important. And I think it, it does leave the next administration a very, very solid foundation off of which to build. Uh, I'm not suggesting that we're flush, uh, but we are in a, in a very good place. Our bond rating has, uh, this is the highest it's ever been. So it gives us flexibility. It gives us the ability to invest in today's needs and today's kids and today's uh, taxpayers. That's significant. Um, I think, though, Probably equally important is a significant focus of my administration has been investing in our infrastructure. During the period of time where we um, were servicing all this old debt, we weren't investing in things like our parks, our streets, our sidewalks, um, our parking garages. In fact, our, our city hall, the one we had to tear, well, we didn't have to, but the one that was torn down uh, what, 12 years ago now. Um, and so we have begun reinvesting in that. Uh, we've in, invested in our uh, water system, um, the transmission lines, um, filtration plant. We've invested in our parks, a significant investment in our parks. Um, we have paved, milled and paved uh, more than a third of the city over the past eight years. Um, so we're we're taking care of things that were neglected. And we're investing so that um, those who come after us will enjoy uh, the benefits of, uh, of the infrastructure of the city. The way I look at it, you know, we were gifted by those who came before us things like the water treatment plant, the, the, the water and sewer lines, the streets, the bridges, uh, the buildings, um, and then the intangibles, the institutions in our city. And I, it's always been my view that we have an obligation to – be a good steward of that and to equally invest so that those who follow us can enjoy the same benefits that we've enjoyed.
So we've tried to focus on not just uh, today's taxpayers, but their children and their grandchildren as well. So there, I think there's a lot to be uh, proud about. However, I, you know, I'll be the first to acknowledge the only thing I see right now when I walk down the street is everything I didn't get done. What's something that glares out at you? What's something that you see when you walk down the street? It's like, oh, sure. well, that's one. Well, you know, I, I see um, I see Monument Square still being undeveloped. That's I, the side uh, of the city hall you were just correct. mentioning. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, I do see, um, you know, undeveloped land along the South Troy waterfront um, that could be generating uh, revenue and contributing to the quality of life in the city. Um, although we've invested a good bit in the parks, they're not where I want them to be yet. Um, so the you know the entryways to our cities there's there's lots of things that uh, remain undone. Although one of my one of my predecessors um, reminded me that I could be in the job a hundred years, and I'd still turn around at the end and say, oh, I didn't get to this, I didn't get to that. It's a job that's never done. There's always more to do. There's always something else uh, that can be uh, uh, can be improved. On the whole, do you think you are leaving Troy better than how you found it? Unquestionably. And, you know, I'm not one to brag, uh, but I have to say in this instance that um, it is unquestionably better than when we came in. Now, back to finances and long-term sustainability. In this time of inflation and high housing costs mm -hmm. and aging infrastructure, is the city on a path to sustainability while you're stepping away? It is, but it's going to take work. And uh, by that, I mean it's going to take uh, – well, I, I should say it's going to take discipline. It's going to take saying no more often than you would like to. I think the, the times of financial stress that we're living in now points to the fragility of municipal finance in general. We rely predominantly – on three main funding sources, and that's state aid, uh, that's real estate taxes, and that's um, sales tax. Um, that probably constitutes 80% of our revenue. Uh, they are all very susceptible to downturns in the economy. So your sales tax proceeds can decline. Um, in a bad economy, the state's resources decline, and there is pressure to reduce aid to localities. Um, and it's the very time when it's most difficult to raise local property taxes because individuals are having a hard time. So during those uh, uh, dips in the economy, the very times when you need more resources is the very time when it's most difficult to raise more resources. That's a structural problem that the state has with municipal finance that, that needs to be addressed in some fashion. Um, so as we move through this time with high inflation, a high cost of money, um, we're, we're fortunate. We're still seeing good, solid sales tax revenues. Um, but the state is going to have some fiscal problems ahead, um, and uh, that, will, that could challenge localities. So um, we are not at a point where we can uh, give away the candy store. Um, we have to be mindful of every penny we spend and commit. Um, and um, every fee we raise. But we we are on a sustainable uh, glide path right now. Do you believe that the city has acted responsibly enough when it comes to ARPA dollars and not spending money and then leaving future holes and funding gaps because mm -hmm. of 
a one-time allotment of federal dollars? Yes, that's a great question, and it's something we recognized early. When I when I came into office, I was quite clear that our fiscal discipline would be that all recurring expenses need to be covered by recurring revenues. So when ARPA came in and and other grant sources, if they were one-shots, uh, we did everything we could to ensure that they went to one-time expenditures. And uh, we did that with ARPA. So we didn't uh, we didn't stand up new programs that would require ongoing annual uh, uh, allotments of revenue. Uh, we invested more in uh, capital expenditures or um, buying um, uh, upgrades to something. So we're investing in parks, as an example. Um, we're investing in um, replacing lead pipes, things that won't have recurring needs uh, in successive years. So I think we've been very, very diligent in making sure that we don't create a dependency that becomes problematic when the ARPA funds are expended. So just moving away from finances, uh, do you think that you, your administration, uh, your office has acted transparently enough when it comes to police? There's a couple of big cases that happened mm-hmm. during your time as mayor the death of Edson Thevenin mm-hmm. in a police shooting, and then more recently, uh, there was a man, a father of twins, who died when an officer went through mm-hmm. a light without uh, without the lights and sirens on, sure. went through an intersection without the lights and sirens on. Yeah. Um, do you think that your administration has acted uh, transparently um, enough with the public in, in communicating about these uh Difficult issues. I, I think uh, transparently enough is an interesting way to phrase it. We are bound by uh, laws, um, and there are times when we're we can't give out information as much as we would like to, as much as we're dying to say something. Um, we don't want to run afoul of uh, the attorney general's office or some other investiga- investigatory body. Um, and it's really, really frustrating because you do want to say something. Um, you don't want to appear heartless. Um, and uh, if there's responsibility to be taken, um, you would like to take that responsibility. You'd like to stand up and say, okay, we blew it here or we didn't blow it here or the facts show this and not that. But oftentimes uh, we're constrained in what we can say. And um, my background is in law. And so I um, – I also have a deep respect for due process, uh, both for uh, individuals, civilians, but also due process for police officers. So we need to go through a process internally uh, to um, uh, come to conclusions about what happened. Oftentimes we can't even begin that if somebody else is investigating at a higher uh, legal authority. So I understand that these things drag out for a long time. And I understand that uh, because of that, sometimes the public is suspicious that we're trying to hide things. We would want nothing more than to be able to dispel that notion. But our hands are tied in, in all of the instances that you've, uh, that you've mentioned. And and then with respect to Edson Thevenin, when that concluded, we released everything. So every every document that we had was available. Every report uh, from the AG, from private investigators, et cetera, was available to the public. So it ultimately did come out. Did it come out as fast as people wanted? No. Did it come out as fast as I wanted? No. Uh, but you know, it does it does come out.
And Edson Thevenden's name is still held up in protests, especially since sure. the, the BLM protests that mm -hmm. um, you know became more frequent after 2020. Um, is there any way that uh, the city can improve or you think the city could improve communication with the public in regards to sensitive investigations like that? I, th I think we've done what we can, which is when we're uh, legally able to proceed, we do release the information. Um, we're not uh, we're not hiding it for the purpose of, of uh, obscuring facts. Um, we're um, just trying to comply with directives that are that are imposed upon us. So when we're able to, we do release it. Again, I'd love to do it sooner. I'd love to be able to talk about these things more quickly. Um, but I'm trying to honor the legal process. I'm also trying to honor due process for everybody involved. So uh, let's talk about the transition. Mm -hmm. uh, City Council President Mantello will be taking uh, the uh, the corner office uh, in January. Uh, have you been meeting with uh, Carmela and uh, have you had those conversations about the transition? Sure. We've offered our complete cooperation um, and I know her team is meeting individually with some of my uh, department heads, uh, probably as we speak in this moment. Uh, but she and I meet regularly. Um, I am constantly uh, making lists of things that pop into my head that I say, oh, I got to pass this on. I have to pass that on. It's, um, it's the proper thing to do. We haven't had a particularly collaborative relationship. Um, but I do realize that um, it is my duty and obligation to make sure that I set her up for success as best I can, and that's what I'm doing. What are you optimistic about in the city of Troy moving forward when you're no longer mayor? Oh, nothing. It, it all depended on me. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that we've gotten through uh, some big hurdles. I'm, I'm very optimistic about the work that the uh, police department has done, for example, around mental health. I think we have a, a model program. Um, I think we have um, exceedingly high training standards. I think we um, are, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the police department. We've had some challenges in the fire department with respect to staffing. I think we've, we are in the process of getting over that hurdle. And um, I'm optimistic about investment in our parks and uh, the things that uh, make Troy livable. Um, I'm optimistic about our finances. Um, there's a lot to be optimistic about in Troy. I think I truly do think we have turned a corner. And uh, I'm not one to take credit for, for all of that. I, I, I do recognize that uh, the taxpayers had a role in that. Uh, the the um, department heads had a role in that. Um, the governor's office had a role in that. I mean, and and honestly, we had a good tailwind from the economy as well that that helped us with that. So um, it took uh, the confluence of um, uh, a number of actors and and, and a number of uh, factors um, to get us uh, to where we are. And I'm I'm optimistic that we can uh, make some significant strides from here. So what's next for you? Good question. I have. Um, I'm. I'm a person who, in every job I've ever have, have had, uh, I've overinvested myself in it to the detriment of family and friends. So um, I have some reparations to make in my family life, and uh, uh, a commitment I have made to my wife that whatever comes next will be the product of um, 
a conversation between us. And so we're going to take a little bit of time off and uh, sort of decompress and then uh, look at the future. It's hard to imagine, and I, I suspect most people feel this way that when they get to my age. It's hard to imagine not working. Um, I've always had, uh, it's always been important to me to be of value to my community. So there's a lot of ways to do that. And uh, uh, most of them, if not all of them, will not be nearly as stressful as this one was. So uh, it's trying to find a balance and trying to find uh, uh, a place where what I have accumulated to this point in my life in terms of knowledge and experience can get translate, translated into something that makes the community better. Mayor Madden, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been great. Okay, that does it for this episode of the WAMC News Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks to Lucas Willard for that interview. Until next time, I'm Ian Pickus.